0: I know none of you like to be bored, and so I've decided instead this morning to give you a history lesson. Because everybody loves history, right? Okay, well, some of you love history, but I, I like history. But one of the interesting things I've found is that there are a lot of people in history who have been labeled with the term great. Okay? A lot of people. Let me just run through a few of those, and I'll actually have pictures for you so that you can see them. The first guy is Alexander. The Great. He was perhaps the greatest military leader who has ever lived, and it's an it's an incredible story. I was just reading something today uh, because they really don't know he died very early in his 30s, and uh, they were they were just trying to figure out exactly you know what killed him. And so maybe they maybe they figure that out. I don't know. Uh, he's not around to do an autopsy. Here's another guy, Peter the Great. Peter the Great, uh, cool mustache. He's in Russia. And he is considered to be the greatest leader in the history of Russia. And then there was Ramesses the Great. Ramesses the Great, you can guess, in Egypt. He was considered Egypt's greatest pharaoh. And he lived to 90 years old. So he was around for a while. And then there was Genghis Khan, the great Khan uh, in Mongolia. He ruled only 21 years But he ruled over during that time and captured areas that made it the largest empire in the world. And so huge, huge, and his name certainly is in history books. Uh, You know he's he's famous because John Wayne played him in a movie. (laughs) Then there was Cyrus the Great of Persia. Cyrus the Great ruled the largest empire up to his time, and we even find Cyrus in the Old Testament. There was Charles the Great, also called Charlemagne, uh, who ruled in France, but united much of Europe under the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, And he's the only guy on my list that was actually made a saint by the Catholic Church. Then, moving up to a little bit more modern time, there's Wayne, the great one, Gretzky. If you're into hockey, yes, I know, it's a much more recent, <laughs> how does he compare with Cyrus and, you know, Alexander the Great, but uh, he, is, he is considered by many to be the greatest hockey player uh, of all time, uh, and so incredible, did some incredible things on skates, that he could even stand up on skates is incredible to me, but uh, was huge, just, just couldn't stop him from scoring and then there was someone who gave themselves a name, the greatest of all time, and that was Muhammad Ali. He didn't. He wasn't real humble about it. But I got to tell you what, I, I remember watching some of his matches, and he was an incredible boxer. And so he he may well have been the greatest boxer of all time. In the Bible, we read about another guy who was called the Great, and he really wasn't so good. His name was Herod the Great and he was called the great because he did a lot of of buildings as a matter of fact the second temple in Jerusalem he he rebuilt that and 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 it was he did all kinds of things all over the place matter of fact on our recent trip to Israel uh, many of the locations where we went were locations that were built by or fortified by this guy called Herod the Great but he was extraordinarily paranoid incredibly cruel and probably might be better known as Herod the crazy but we find him in the New Testament and obviously in history books outside the New Testament all these people got the name great because they did things that in the eyes of the world were incredible feats great feats of of building or conquering or ruling or scoring or knocking people out. But they all got this name, Great. And quite honestly, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, here's Sean sitting out here. Sean the Great. That sounds cool, doesn't it? Wouldn't you like that? That'd be awesome. Sean the Great. Well, most of us are never going Well, his family is laughing at him now. So we know he's not getting that name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But I want to share some words and an incident that occurred in the life of the one who I believe was the greatest who ever lived and walked on the face of this planet, and that is Jesus Christ himself. And so this morning, what I want to ask you to do is to, if you have your Bibles, I'll ask you to open up with me to the ninth chapter of Mark's Gospel uh, mark is the second gospel in the New Testament, and so if you get a Matthew, just keep going over, and you're going to eventually come to chapter 9 of Mark's gospel. These verses are printed for you in your handout. They'll also be up on the screen, but if you'd like to look at them, and I encourage you to bring your Bibles and to look at that, whether that's in a, a physical form like this or whether it's an electronic form, so that you can follow along. You may want to mark some things up so you can look again later. Uh, Nancy, my wife, will actually write down when I've preached on something. And some of you do that as well so that you can always catch me and go, hey, you did that two years ago. Oh, well. if it was good then, it's good now. So let's hear what God's word said. Mark chapter 9, looking beginning in verse 33. And they, that is Jesus with the disciples, came to Capernaum. And when he, that is Jesus, was in the house, he asked them, "What are you? What were you discussing along the way?" But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, "If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all." And he took a child and put him in the midst of them and taking him in his arms he said to them whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me so let me set the scene for you a little bit we we get a little picture of what's going on here the disciples were often on the move and Jesus would teach them as they were on the move, going from place to place. So, literally, when they, we say they were followers of Jesus, that's exactly what they were. They, they went where he went and, and learned from him along the way. And so, here they go, they're along the way. And Jesus has shared with them some, some really important information. He has told them that uh, eventually they're going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to be arrested. And he's going to be killed. And on the third day, he's going to rise again. Now, he shared this with them. Now, I would think and you would think that had this load of truth been dropped on you, then you would think, yeah, we we need to talk about that. We need to ask some questions. We need to figure this thing out. That would be the topic of conversation along the way, but it wasn't. And so when they got into Capernaum, Jesus asked them, Hey, guys, while we were going, I heard you talking behind me. What were you talking about? Now, he knew. And they said nothing. They were embarrassed. He caught them. They thought they were in kind of whispered tones. I'm the greatest. No, 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 I'm the greatest. No, you know what? Maybe maybe he thinks Peter's the greatest. Maybe he thinks John's the greatest. And they were arguing among themselves over who was the greatest. Jesus knew it, even though they didn't want to admit it. Now, if I were Jesus, I would have probably had to not so gently rebuke them. You know, because you would think after a while, these guys would start to get it. They'd start to pay attention a little bit more. Uh, They'd start to to pick up on things that were really important. But instead, they were arguing among themselves, after Jesus just told them about his death and resurrection, they'd argue among themselves who among them were the greatest. The problem is, the disciples were caught up in the the world's definition of what greatness is. Here's what they were thinking. Eventually... I know we heard what Jesus said, but he didn't know what he was talking about. Eventually, Jesus is going to sit on that throne in Jerusalem. He's going to be the king. And we, because we're his his buddies, we are going to get places of honor and power and authority in this earthly kingdom that's coming to pass. And that's what they were arguing about. Who's going to be his right-hand man? Who's going to be his left-hand man? Who's going to be his treasurer? Who's going to be prime minister? Who's going to have this role or this role or this role? You know, I think I ought to get it because blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I think I deserve it because of this. Well, I know Jesus likes me best, and so it's going to be my job. And that's what they were arguing about along the way, thinking that geez, they'd hitch their They'd hitched their wagon to this star named Jesus. And they were going to get to rule with him in the city of Jerusalem when he finally kicked everybody out and took over. But Jesus didn't come to be great by the world's definition of greatness. Jesus came to redefine what it means to be great. And this is what he does here in this little portion of scripture we read. He redefines what greatness means. Every year, Forbes Magazine puts out the list of the richest people in the world. I've never made that list. Each year, Time Magazine puts out the person of the year on the cover I've never made that cover in fact I am a a pastor of a wonderful church in a small southern town and when I when I go because you know we've got some potentially bad weather coming when I go and take a look at the the map I, it begins and it pulls up Greensboro's right there in the in the center and, but then when I start to pull back you really get to see how small Greensboro is in proportion to the United States and believe it or not there are people who've never heard of Jimmy Long I mean I've had the seven or eight people who bought and read my book the 12 or 13 that, that might look at my blog post or Facebook. But for the most part, I'm a relative unknown. And the only people who, who write me and say, hey, listen, we need you to come and preach for me are pastors out in the bush of Kenya or in the, the, the mountains of India. I don't get invitations to go preach everywhere and come tell us about your book, come, come enlighten us, come tell us how wonderful it is and how we can, how we can have a church like yours. That, that's, that's not my lot in life. And every once in a while when I, I see these guys like an Andy Stanley, and Ed Young, Matt Chandler, I look at these guys and I go, man, wouldn't that be so cool? To have that huge church, to have that huge budget, to have that huge staff, to have recognition, to have people invite you to go speak at these big conferences all over the world. Wouldn't that be awesome? And then as I stumble over my dog... I stumble over a passage like this and it hits me square in the forehead. Because what Jesus is saying is, listen, there's a lot of definitions of greatness out there. There's a lot of people who've been called great. But I'm here to tell you what it really means to be great. What it really means in God's eyes to be great and he turns upside down the pursuit of greatness now if you have been reading and I'm a church member you know that that chapter three deals with this concept of being a a servant but it's something that I had to learn a long time ago and I try to put it into practice sometimes in bigger ways and sometimes in smaller ways a lot of times people will, you know, will have some type of, of, of group feeding, and you we'll know, have a fellowship lunch or a covered dish thing, and, and uh, I tend to stay at the back of the line. Now, I halfway joke that it's because I can get dessert first, but really it's because I, wanna, I feel compelled to lead by example that I don't need to be in the front of the line. I don't need to get the the choice of what's being presented. I had this cool experience back in my first pastorate. I had a state senator in North Carolina who was in our church. And he'd been in the state senate for a long, long time. And they started this new thing uh, that they were going to ask pastors to come and serve as chaplain of the senate for a week now they only work three days out of the week but that's that's irrelevant three days I was to go to Raleigh and I was to serve as the chaplain and I was to open the session in prayer and then if there were any other obligations any other needs that I would have an opportunity to do that well I went and on the Wednesday night of that week uh, I was invited because he was a chairman of the agriculture committee I was invited to Uh, an agriculture dinner and they had all everything that was grown in North Carolina made in North Carolina that was what was on the menu so it was quite an elaborate thing that was set out and so I went in and I the only person I knew in the whole place was uh, was my friend the state senator and uh, so he was seated up on the platform with all the other dignitaries and I walked in and I looked around and I, I, I went and I found the, the seat all the way kind of in the back of the room. Because who was I? And I'm sitting there and in a few minutes there's a tap on my shoulder. And the, I looked up and the little guy said, uh, the senator would like you to come and sit with him. And so I stood up and I followed the page or whoever it was and I got a seat right up there on the big table. And it was pretty cool. I mean, it, we, we when I was sitting out there, everybody had styrofoam plates. But sitting up on the stage, we actually had china. Everybody out there had paper cups, plastic cups. We were sitting there with crystal on the table. I'm thinking, man, this is is an upgrade. I kind of like this. But that's a rarity. And even then, people were going, who's that guy? (laughs) And so occasionally, I get a a brush with what the world thinks is great. But I got to tell you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I have an opportunity every day to live in true greatness what did jesus say he said listen if you want to be the greatest if you want to be great if you want to be first then get in the back of the line be the servant of all because that's truly what it means to be great in other words greatness is not measured by how many people serve you greatness in the eyes of God is measured by how many people you serve and so when you go through your day when you go through your routine when you show up here on a on a Sunday your eyes should be open for opportunities to serve For opportunities to bless someone else, to encourage someone else, to be there for someone else. It's not just about me and not just about what I want. I'm here for others. In Luke chapter 6, we read about Jesus teaching his disciples and the crowds. And he says there in Luke 6 beginning with verse 32, he says, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is, listen to this, He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Boy, isn't that countercultural? That goes against everything that you will hear taught in the world, and quite honestly, sometimes it goes against your own gut. Your own desires. Recently, um, and, and I'd written about this, and, but very recently, uh, the New York um, legislature passed a bill basically making abortion legal for really any reason up to, right up to birth, just minutes before birth. And Andrew Cuomo signed it into law. When it was passed in the Senate, you see the video, there's applause. People are clapping for it. When Andrew Cuomo's signing into law, he's, he's smiling the whole time. And I wanted, to, I, wanted to, I wanted to express something, but it took me a little while in order to get my emotions in order before I could write something that I thought was fairly reasonable and yet pointed. Let me tell you what happened. Before the head thing, I'd written this article and i felt really good about it and i said man I've, I've really nailed it i've really hit it i've really summed this thing up and so i go back to take a shower and as the water's running over my head god says to me this now it wasn't verbal but it was unmistakable do you love andrew cuomo And I just had to stand there and let the water run over me and recognize that I'm not there yet. There are people whose hearts and desires and actions are evil and hateful. And yet somehow God loves even them and is merciful even to them. And so God keeps asking me now, do you love him yet? And I'm honest with him. I'm still working on it. And there may be people in your life that God would ask you the very same thing. Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love her? And I hope that you'll be honest enough with God to say, not yet. Help me. (laughs) I'm not there Yet, I want you to think about this because when Jesus gathered with his disciples in the upper room, everyone in that room would that evening turn their back on him. One of those men in that room would deny that he even knew Jesus three times. And one of those men in that room had a plan in motion to betray Jesus that very night. And what did Jesus do? He got up from the table. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And he knelt on the floor and washed the feet of all those disciples. And he said to them, hey, you see what I just did? That's an example for you. That's a model for you. Of just what it means for me to come as a servant. It's not always easy. And sometimes it's a super, super challenge. It's, it's, listen, it's a whole lot easier to serve people that you like. It's a whole lot easier to serve people who are like you. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to serve people who are completely unlike us. Whose value systems and lifestyles are nothing like ours. And yet we're called to love them anyway. To serve them anyway. Even if it means getting down on our knees and washing their feet. What Jesus is telling us is, listen, the way up is down to weigh to the top, is to start at the bottom. That we are to be servants. And to be that kind of a servant, what we need is a servant's heart. We need the heart of a servant because Jesus came with the heart of a servant. Jesus did not serve simply because there was a need. He served because he had the heart and the attitude of a servant. Now, I'll ask people sometimes, how do you know if you have the heart and the attitude of a servant? And they'll kind of think about it for a little while, and then I'll, I'll drop the bomb, because I believe this is all my heart. You know that you have the heart and the attitude of a servant by how you act when you're treated like one. When you're treated like a servant, how do you respond then? Most of us get kind of ticked rather than humbly serving and gratefully serving because we have a Savior who served us in the most incredible way ever by actually giving his life, dying for us on a cross. Now, some of you may be going, Well, wait a minute. Does this mean that that as Christians we aren't having the ambition? We aren't to have any drive. We aren't to have any dreams. We aren't to be go-getters. Is that what it means? And, and I would tell you, no, that's, that's not what it means. Jesus didn't come to squash your ambition. He came to redirect it. He came to give us a new direction. He didn't call us to push the penthouse button. It causes us to push the basement button. But to do it with the same ambition, the same drive, the same energy. We're not to climb the ladder. We're to be the ones who hold the ladder as other people climb. And so, do you want to be great? Do you want to be First? Jesus will say, that's awesome. Pursue it with your whole heart. Be first in loving. Be great in serving. Be first in generosity. Be great in self-sacrifice. And if you do that, here's my promise. The world will not point you out as great. But you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for him. And what you do, even in secret, your heavenly father knows. And Jesus said, great will be your reward in heaven. Great will be your reward in heaven. Do we want this to be a, a great church? Sure. Sure. And there's nothing wrong with big buildings and big budgets and big staff and big plans and big membership. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just not what it means to be great. When I see you hammering nails at a Habitat house, when I see you behind the counter or sorting clothes at the thrift store, when I see you at the schools reading To kids who are struggling, when I see you at the grocery store helping somebody who is disabled with their walker or with a wheelchair, when I see you lowering yourself to serve others, then I can say in my heart, This is a great church. Not by the world's standards. No books are ever going to be written about us. But it's great if it's filled with men and women who have the heart and the desires of a servant. Because that's the greatest church in the eyes of God. I want to share with you as we wrap this up a, a quote. This is, as you know, a Monday Celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s, uh, it, was his, it was his day, a day set aside to honor him. But he wrote this in a, a sermon he preached called the, the Drum Major Instinct, and it was delivered in 1968. He said this, everybody can be great because everybody can serve. I want you to hear that. Everybody can be great. He's echoing the same thing that Jesus said. Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to have the second theory of thermodynamics and physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. that is true greatness for us as individuals and for us as a church and so I want to leave you with some questions to let hang like God let that question about do you love Andrew Cuomo hang for me the first question is how can you serve Everybody can. How? The next question is, who can you serve? Keep your eyes open. Who God are you putting in my path to serve? The next question is, when can you serve? Here's the deal. If you don't answer that question, you're probably not doing the other two. If you don't, if you don't say, okay, this is it. This is my appointment, this is my time, this is this is the direction. If you don't get the win, you're probably not going to answer the other two correctly. And then what keeps you from serving? Could be you're too busy, just stage a life. You could answer that question in a lot of ways. But it boils down to the heart. If you have the heart of a servant, then you will have the life of a servant. And we need to ask Jesus every day, Jesus, give me your heart. Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. For some of you, that's exactly where you need to start. There's a Jesus who loves you and who died for you and who wants to save you. And some of you need what he has to give today. You need to allow him to serve you in that way and receive what he's done already for you. This morning could be the day you step forward and say, I need that Jesus. Some of you need a church home, a place to plug in, a place to belong. And you know the Lord's been leading you here. And I invite you, we're going to sing a song in just a few moments. Just get on up and come down and say, this is where I belong. This is where God's calling me. Some of you, maybe God has spoken and you just need to come and collapse at these steps and just say, God, I've tried to be at the front of the line, at the top of the ladder. And you're redirecting my priorities today and I'm willing to hear you. So show me how I can serve, who I can serve, when I can serve. And give me a heart that's willing to serve. Whatever it is the Lord's calling you to do today, in just a few moments when we sing this final song, I just want to encourage you to respond to him. Let's pray. Lord God, we are truly grateful for this time that you speak to us by your word. And I would ask, Lord, that you would continue to speak. Don't let us off the hook. Keep, Keep putting those questions out there. Keep asking us the hard questions. Let us come face to face with who you are and who you're calling us to be in you. Lord, I pray for those who need Jesus that today might be their day of salvation. I pray for those, Lord, who need a church home. If this is where you want them to be, Lord, bring them. And I pray for those this morning who struggle. Who struggle with The definition of what the world says is important and great and and Jesus what you say is important and great Lord help us to listen to you Lord wherever it is that you are leading however it is that you're leading our simple response today is yes we want to follow and so Lord move in this place this morning